millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Get ready for the school year with Yumiko's annual back-to-school sale. Mix and match however you'd like within the basic collection, and upon purchasing two Leos, receive the third completely free. Whether you need black, burgundy, green, rose, or white, they have a handful of different styles to choose from. Kids and men's items are available to order too. Yumiko is also excited about its virtual shopping events through Instagram Live. Two hosts showcase exclusive in-store options available to ship immediately with different promotions offered at each session. If you haven't tuned in yet, be sure to check it out. The options shown are not available online, so it's the perfect opportunity to snag a unique Yumi at a discount. For more information on the back-to-school sale, live events, and summer stock availability, stay connected at yumiko.com and at yumiko on Instagram. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today, we are joined by Megan LaCrone, soloist with the New York City Ballet. Megan was born in North Carolina and at age 14 began studying with Melissa Hayden and Duncan Noble at the North Carolina School of the Arts. Megan entered the School of American Ballet full-time in the fall of 2001, and in November 2001, she became an apprentice with the New York City Ballet. She joined the company as a member of the Corte Ballet in October 2002 and was promoted to soloist in February 2013. We talk with Megan about her training, what brought her to SAB, how she joined the company, dealing with injuries, and her close working relationship with Peter Martins. Well, thank you, Megan, so much for joining us. Again, we continue to do our remote podcast, but this is really fun uh, to be together on Zoom and to see you. And we're glad that you are healthy and safe and great to connect today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. This Mm -hmm. is our first um, non-domestic podcast. Have we ever done one internationally? We must Megan is in the Bahamas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of it. You and I maybe did one from when I was in Hong Kong, but 
That's for sure. Right. Okay. So then, all right, we'll have to think about that, but I think you're right. (laughs) You're making us international, Megan. So that's great. Um, Always happy to spread the the conversations and dance. (laughs) Love it. So let's start from the beginning, Megan, when you first, um, when did you first become interested in dance or ballet specifically? I always uh, remember it being a part of my life. Um, I grew up in the South in North Carolina and um, my mother was really adamant about us having um, an enriching arts education. It wasn't necessarily offered in the public schools. So uh, she put us in choir. We took piano lessons. Our neighbor, um, who was a painter, um, gave us painting lessons and, um, she put us in ballet at our local studio. I have two sisters, so we all grew up doing that. And I just always remember it being a part of my life. And, um, but I, I will say, um, I think I experienced like a more visceral love for it. Um, when I was around, 12 or 13, um, my studio was attending a ballet festival in the South called Serba, which is South, Southeastern Regional um, Ballet Association. They I do workshops. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They do workshops and classes, um, and there's an opportunity for us. Uh, students to perform. And, uh, my school was very excited because we were, we were a small school and, uh, we had been allowed to, uh, rehearse and perform Balanchine's Lost Fantasy. And at the time I, you know, I knew Balanchine was, was a name, was, was, was something important, but I was, I was so young and didn't have a lot of exposure. So I didn't really understand kind of what, um, the history of his, uh, story was um, why it was so important, but um, I was chosen uh, by Alan Heinlein, who worked a lot with Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet um, and was setting this ballet for us. I was chosen to to be um, one of the principal dancers in Ball's Fantasy, and the version that we uh, were allowed to do was actually the 1953 version. Oh. Uh, right, wow. which is, which I, is I not the, done. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so it's a, a male dancer and then three female dancers. Um, and I danced the more featured female role. And I remember this feeling um, during the rehearsals, during the performances, um, that was just uh, indescribable, really. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, the, the way I I had never experienced my body moving that way. Um, the, the musicality of the steps. Um, and I think at the time I, I probably couldn't articulate that that was when I really fell in love with ballet, but thinking back, um, I think it, I think it was. And, and obviously at that time, you know, I was not thinking so far ahead about a career or which company to join, but since I did it, end up joining New York City Ballet, it's um, it's really like interesting and sort of a nice full circle to have had that experience, not knowing what was to come in the future. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a, it's such a visceral feeling that I had that has continued on in my life at different points. Um, when I came to SAB, um, when I started 
when I joined the company and started um, learning and dancing the Balanchine rep, it's just such a familiar feeling um, that you, you get when you, when you do those, those ballets. Right. Was that your first um, experience with Balanchine style and or choreography up until that point? Your training was different? Yes. Yes. Um, my formal training was um, as I got older at the North Carolina School of the Arts, but my school in Greensboro, I wouldn't categorize them as, as a, a Balanchine school. Um, it was very um, classical, like probably more Royal Ballet, RAD, although not official. Right. Um, and I remember w- working with Alan and, um, and I was young, you know, and obviously had a lot of respect for my teachers, but uh, and we never really talked about this, but I remember kind of thinking, oh, some of the things uh, that I'm being asked to do or the the way that I need to dance to accomplish this is quite different from what they teach at my school. And I like it better. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it felt very organic to me and very natural. Um, and so, yeah, um, there was a there was a little bit a little bit of dif- of difference there, um, yeah. which how I loved. You, how did you decide to go ultimately to NCSA and do your training there? Continue your training there. Um, as I got older, I realized that um, not only did I you know that I that I love ballet, but I. Um, it was something that I just, I, I wanted to continue. I, I wasn't finished with it. And, you know, um, when you get into middle school and high school, there's lots of things that change, social opportunities, academic opportunities, sports opportunities. I, I remember trying Freeman out for sports. I remember trying <laughs> out for, I was trying to, I, I, I really wanted to fit in at mm-hmm. school. And um, at that time, you know, most of my peers had stopped ballet. And, um, I remember trying out for cheerleading because I thought, well, I'll do this because this is a way to sort of stay cool and, and stay, Mm -hmm. you know, in the norm, I guess. And, um, but in my head, I said to myself, I know I'm going to get on the team because, you know, I'm a ballet dancer and all that. (laughs) And, um, and I'm gonna. I had decided before that I was gonna say no because <laughs> because I wanted to continue my ballet. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I got on the team, and everyone was like, you know, in the South, sports are a very big big thing. Um, and everyone was like, this is so so great. Like you're gonna be on the not the junior varsity team. I got on the varsity team um, as a youngster. And they're like, you know, aren't you excited? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to say no. I just tried out to like see if I could do it. And they're uh, like, you know, I was like, cause I want to do ballet. And, <laughs> and then I sort of became this sort of strange person. And, um, and also I was growing out of, out of my school and um, I had been to a couple, couple of summer sessions Um, I went to NCSA for the summer and I had also the summer before trained, um, at Atlanta ballet Mm. and, um, I kind of did it on, on my own. I I remember going to the library and taking this application form for the North Carolina school of the arts and, Mm. and filling it out and going to my mom and saying, I need you to sign this. And, um, my ballet teacher did drive me to the audition and, and I got in and they didn't have space for me. 
Um, but then in January of my freshman year, they called and they said, we have, we have a space in the dormitory. And I didn't live that far. I lived about 45 minutes away, but, um, my mom was a single mom at that time and it it was too complicated for her to drive me back and forth. So she said, you know, if you want to go, you have to be able to live there and you have to receive a full scholarship because we just can't, um, you know, economically support it. And, um, and they did, uh, the North Carolina school of the arts is wonderful because it's part of it is part of the public school system. So they give in-state residents, um, a break for the finances. So I, um, received a full, a full scholarship there to live in the dorms and to, um, and to go to school. And I was so happy to do that. I mean, it was just amazing. I, we, we danced so much and, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember being there and the students saying, you know, that because we were technically part of the public school system in North Carolina. And I remember students saying, you know, that we go to school um, the least amount of days that's legally allowed because we only went to school on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays and for four hours each day. Um, so it was very little academic, although uh, succeeding in uh, or doing well in my academics was was important to me. But um, yeah, it was just four hours a day, four days a week. And on Wednesdays, we trained all day long in ballet and um, in the mornings before school and in the afternoons and in the evenings, we, we mm-hmm. trained. So I really loved it because mm-hmm. at that point, that's that's sort of all I wanted to do was take class and learn variations. At that, <laughs> yeah. at that point, Melissa Hayden was running the program, right? Can you tell us? Or sorry, go on. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, I just want to hear about your personal experience with <laughs> Melissa Hayden because she's such um, a, a character. Yes, she is uh, such a force for uh, in my career and, and other dancers' career. Jillian Murphy uh, mm-hmm. worked very closely with her as well. Um, she wasn't actually running the program, um, but she was a, a major teacher there. Mm-hmm. North Carolina School of the Arts is unique in their dance department because they really expose everyone to a lot of different things. You know, I had Melissa, I had Nina Demilova, who taught a very Vaganova class. Um, I had Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I had um, lots of teachers who had come from ABT. So we, we, got a, 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 we were uh, versatile in a mm-hmm. way. Um, but I worked with Melissa a lot. Um, I was in the advanced class and she taught every day, twice a day, um, Mm. technique class and point class. And then in the evenings, if I wasn't rehearsing for a performance, the great thing about that school also is we, we got a lot of performing opportunities. Mm. Um, she would give, you know, like another workshop of variations. Um, and I remember it being, I remember thinking when I left the school, I could handle any director now after mm-hmm. working for her because <laughs> um, just the the tension and, and nervousness and fear and but also desire to please um, mm-hmm. and to just continue to work until she said yes um, was so strong and and she was a, a very intense person uh, to to work with. Um, I think it really enabled me to s- sort of handle. Um, other personalities. Um, 
she, it was exhilarating being with her. And I remember just, just feeling like I needed to be a sponge because she gave things so quickly. She didn't explain a lot. Um, so you really had to be physically present and mentally present and emotions were not, there was no place for emotions. It was just very, um, it was very simple, you know, you work and you do. And she, like I said, she didn't explain a lot and she would say no a lot, which getting into New York city ballet experiences a little bit with Peter when I was young, you would do something and she would say no and not tell you (laughs) why or, or, or what was wrong. And she'd say no again, no again, no again. And you would just have to do it over and over. And I, and you know, I don't know if this what is what she was trying to get at, but I I never really, she, when she would say yes, she would never tell me why. But mm. I remember being like, oh, I think I finally just like stopped thinking and did it. Mm. Um, so yeah. she had an interesting approach. And um, I do remember, uh, you know, I had, I had many teachers at NCSA, but I, what I liked about Melissa, and I think at the time, when I first started, you know, I hadn't made the balancing connection yet, but I do remember having that visceral feeling again with the steps she gave, the ballets that we learned. She taught a lot of balancing uh, variations for our rep classes and, and we performed some of them. And I remember that feeling coming back and thinking, oh, this is like that type of movement that I like. Um, because I also, you know, did Paquita and... Mm-hmm. Um, by Adair and, and very classical things and then mm-hmm. had, a, you know, modern classes. Um, but I just really loved um, the, the, the classes that she gave and the, the way she sort of led her class um, and the uh, ultimately like the choreography. Mm-hmm. That- mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. said you hadn't made that balancing connection just yet, but you did ultimately make that connection and that took you to the School of American Ballet. How did that all kind of come about? So, um, you know, when I, you know, when you're in high school and, and you're at a school similar to NCSA, you, you learn that um, it's possible to make a living and to become a professional ballet dancer. That's a, that, that's a real thing. And so we were sort of a central school in North Carolina. So auditions would come through for summer sessions for um, various things. And, and I knew um, I wanted to continue training in the summer always. And I knew that um, just through word of mouth that, you know, the best, I wanted to go to the best schools. And um, (laughs) I knew that you, you audition for SAB and you should audition for ABT. And then I think the only other place I auditioned was for San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And North Carolina School of the Arts has an interesting relationship with the American Ballet Theater because when I was there, um, uh, the American Ballet Theater studio company would come and do a residency with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would spend three weeks and the advanced students at the school and the studio company would take class together and perform together. Um, and I did that. I Very worked cool. with um, when Misty Copeland was in the studio company mm-hmm. And Marcelo, uh, John Meehan was running at the time. Um, so I worked a lot with him. And, and I was actually offered a job um, by John into the studio company, which mm-hmm. I think the school wanted me to take. At the time, we had a lot of people going to ABT. Um, but I turned it down and I <clears> said, no, I'm going to the School of American Ballet for the summer <laughs> program. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, 
you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to sort of continue the, the ladder, so to speak, um, to get, get to the source, you know, mm-hmm. to see, um, what it was like there. And, and I knew Melissa had come from there she was very practical though. She said, you know, you have a job, you should take a job. And right. I, said, I know, but I, I, I just, I just want to go, um, go to SAB. And she said, well, you don't know anything about New York city ballet. And, and I said, I know, you know, but, and I'm very glad I made that decision. Um, so I, I spent three summers there. Um, and then when I was 17, I finished, uh, after my first summer, I went back to North Carolina and decided to consolidate my academics, um, because I really wanted to just be done with that. Get it done. Um, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. So I started doing correspondence and I was able to finish my high school in two and a half years. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and so then I went back for two more summers uh, to the School of American Ballet. They asked me to stay the second summer. And to this day, I don't know why I said no, but I said no. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and fortunately I was, I was able to come back for my third summer and they didn't ask me, but at the end of the summer, I, I said to, I had a little meeting and I said, you know, I, I finished all of my school and I'm ready to come if, if it's possible. And they said, well, you know, there's probably a space for you, but we're not sure like if you'll get into the company. And I said, well, that's fine. You know, um, technically this would be my senior year. And now that my my academics are done, you know, I could just stay here and train and, and see what happens and obviously audition if that's necessary. And so, um, after the summer I was, I was invited to, um, stay on, um, at the school for the, for the winter or fall winter term, uh, which was very short for me. Actually, I was there for about eight weeks and then I was invited to join the company as an apprentice. That was in 2000. It was that quick. That's so it great. was very quick. I, I think I was that. only, yeah, I was in the, the fall semester for eight weeks and then three, five week summer sessions. Isn't so that was- a great story for students out there that, <laughs> right? You basically had to be like, please, 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 please let me in. They're like, well, we don't know about the company. And then eight weeks later, like, come on, <laughs> fight for what you believe in. I like it. <laughs> so what was yeah. that? Um, circumstantially how how did that come about like that's kind of a strange time to be taken in right unless yes. sometimes people for nutcracker but what was the the atmosphere at that moment why why did he need you then um yes it, it was um and i think the way the new york city ballet takes people has uh, has changed um it's usually right after a workshop uh, you know i of course didn't work did <laughs> and, and people would talk about it. I, I didn't really know what that was. But when I arrived uh, in the fall, uh, all the students came back and, it, you know, I didn't know anybody because of the summer. It's completely mm-hmm. different from, from the year round students. And I remember people saying, you know, none of the people that had done workshop that had had, um, featured roles that had gotten the Ween Award. No one was taken into the company. There, there were, uh, Peter hadn't taken anybody. Mm-hmm. But apparently he had, he or the school had told people, you know, not to go anywhere, but to come back. Mm-hmm. So um, I started in C2 and then um, I was advanced to D uh, a couple weeks later. And um, so that D is the highest level for our listeners who. Yes. For Rebecca. For Rebecca. Yes. 
And I remember sort of the gossip. I, you know, I didn't know anything. So I was just sort of hearing things and, tr and trying to um, sort it out in my head. And I remember sort of the gossip being like, oh, well, um, D is, is the highest level, but Peter only takes from C2. Oh, I, that was so common. So, that's like, that so stuck thought, around for okay, a little bit. You know, well, you know, maybe, you know, I won't be taken, but at least I'm in an advanced level. And, you know, of course I, I, then it became interesting to me. I was like, well, wait, I actually, I really want to like, <laughs> why, you know, I want to, I want to be taken. Um, because right. I think when I started, I, I really understood what the school had told me. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's important to continue your training and, and it's good on my resume. And, and I had planned to audition and if I got nothing to go to college, mm -hmm. but, but, um, so he hadn't taken anybody and, um, there was sort of a two week lead up to him, uh, taking a group of us into the company. Um, so everyone was on high alert those first few months because they knew, you know, it's Nutcracker. Either he's going to he's going to be looking. Lots of certain people have been told to come back, and there was a choreographic institute where students choreographed on each other at the school. And I was in two pieces. Um, I was in one piece choreographed by Zolly Grunberg, who is now the director of Carolina Ballet. Um, I was also uh, in a nice pot de, uh, that was choreographed by Keith Mearns, Sarah Mearns' brother. Um, so prior to that institute, um, Peter came and watched one point class uh, that Kay Mazzo taught. And it was uh, the second time I had seen him. He had taught once before at my summer program, and um, we didn't really have any interaction. I, he definitely did not pay attention to me. Um, <laughs> But in the point class, I remember um, feeling this tension in the room that was just so thick you could cut it with a knife. Uh, you know, and I was so new that I was just, you know, I didn't have all that. And I, um, I remember liking him, liking the fact that he was in the room. Something about his energy made me feel very relaxed. So I just had fun and danced and smiled. And also I remember, I remembered being with Melissa and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's no point in getting nervous about this. Like I worked with this very intense person there. There's uh -huh. nothing worse than that. Um, so he, he watched that. And, and I remember leaving the class thinking, you know, I'm just glad that I like had fun and felt good. And I thought I danced well. Um, I tried not to approach it as an audition. And then uh, the ballet mistress from New York city ballet watched a technique class and then um that was rosemary yeah rosemary dunleavy Which that's I, unusual that, it I, is yeah i think so i don't know you know i like i said i didn't i don't think spend I, I mean i haven't heard school. anything about rosemary but it would make sense if i mean that would actually make more sense if you think about it since she's so responsible for um nutcracker liqueur yeah and yeah. getting those and, and lots of you know the entire you know for all the ballets right it's a funny story about <clears throat> rosemary um so she watched uh, Madame Tchaikovsky's class, mm -hmm. which was um, just a very difficult class. And um, because I was new, I always worked hard in it. But I think students that had been at the school a while knew that because of her age, you know, they could sort of get away with not trying so mm -hmm. hard in, in her class. And one day I noticed that everyone was really trying hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I had gotten so fed up because I was like, I'm trying so hard and no one else is. I'm just going to kind of start to do what they do. 
and they had been trying so hard. And I think it was also like a, around the time the Institute was happening and lots, we had lots of guests coming in and out and parents watching and, and I thought, Oh, they're, they're, they're really performing because their parents are here or whatever. And so I left class and my friend, uh, Andrew Kraminski, <laughs> what are you doing? And I said, Oh, you know, it's Toomey's it class. Me. Like I've done my seven weeks of working hard. Like I'm going to take it easy. My parents aren't watching, so I don't need to, I don't need to, to go in there. And he said, well, um, you should go back because Rosemary's watching. And I was like, who's that? And he said, it's a ballet mistress for New York City Ballet. And he pointed her out to me and I had, I thought she was someone's mother. (laughs) (laughs) So I ran back into class and I thought, oh no, like I've just totally ruined it. Uh, so that happened. And then we did the, the performance of the Institute. Um, and I, like I said, I was in two ballets and, um, I remember Peter's eyes. Uh, he had very, um, penetrating eyes and I remember them being on me and, and, um, and liking it and, but also thinking, you know, whatever happens is going to happen at least he's interested in mm-hmm. enjoying this, this, this performance. Um, and then it was the weekend. And then on, on Monday we, we were in class and before class, the registrar came around to, to different girls and, and asked us to go into a, you know, a meeting after class. And um, I went and Peter was in the music room at the school of American ballet. And uh, there was a large group of us. It was, Oh, three boys that were taken and I believe it was seven girls. I think there were 10 of us. It was so a whole 10. Group. 10 yeah. is the maximum yeah. that you can have at any given point. Yes. So it was the full crew. It was the full crew. And uh, he said, you know, I would like you all to join the New York City Ballet as apprentices. And it was very simple and that was it. And I left and um, I said to my friend who was also new at the school um, and he was in the men's program and had, and had been offered um, an apprenticeship. And I said, you know, I don't think he knows who I am. And I think he maybe has me confused with someone else. Do you think <laughs> I should go back in and introduce myself and say, I, I'm Megan, I'm from North Carolina. I just got here. Are you sure? Like you have the right person. <laughs> And he said, you're crazy. No, you're starting work with New York City Ballet tomorrow. Just show up at work. <laughs> and so I did. Wow. Uh, yeah. How, how is that unusual to be taking apprentices in right before Nutcracker? Or does it normally work more that you are go and do Snow and Flowers as a student and then get your apprenticeship later? How does that normally or is that normal? Now, um, <laughs> what happens is people, you know, finish at least a full year at the school and they do mm-hmm. a workshop or not. Some people have gotten in without being c- completely featured in workshop. And then a decision is made at the end of the year and then they start in the fall. Gotcha. Um, and I think that just makes more sense for, you know, scheduling and for students to know what's going on in case sure. they need to say yes or no to other other opportunities. But I think, you know, there have been times since I've gotten in the company where uh, people have been taken in for Nutcracker in mm-hmm. addition to dancers mm-hmm. that were um, 
that they had already decided about in the summer. I really just think it's based on the need. The need, yeah. And that was a very interesting year, the, the year that I got in, because no one had been given um, an apprenticeship at the end of workshop. Although, like I said, people had been told to come back. So um, there was, I think, space for a large group. And um, it was also... Go One ahead. thing that that I am thinking, I was just wheels turning, trying to think of if anyone else got um, their apprenticeship without any workshop or specifically from the Choreographic Institute. <laughs> Alexandra Ancinelli, you're in good company. Oh, yes. I think, <laughs> I think I had, I heard that when I got in the company. Um, yeah, I definitely felt when I got in, I was like, my situation is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, I had not spent, um, a lot of time at the school, you know, during the year round mm-hmm. program, I did not do a workshop. Um, so I felt very fortunate. It, it mm-hmm. sort of gave me a, a little bit of pride, but it was also, it was difficult because I think there were a lot of things I, you know, a lot of things I had to, I had to catch up on, mm-hmm. But there have been some other dancers that have come from other companies or uh, from, you know, only spending like a small amount of time at the school. So it's not the norm. It's rare, but it's it's possible. So what was – so transitioning from student life to company life is always a transition for everyone, right? It's completely different. But for you, you really had one day to plan for that transition <laughs> yeah. and to start to adjust. So what was that adjustment period like for you? Um, for the practical things, it was pretty easy because I had at that point really essentially been living on my own since I was 14. When I left mm-hmm. home and went to North Carolina School of the Arts, I didn't go home a lot. Um, I stayed at the school and then in the summers I was in New York. Um, and like I said, we we really had experience performing and having rehearsal days, even though we were students. Um, mm-hmm. And also at that point, I was... Um, financially on my own. My family was going through um, sort of a complicated situation. So practically, I I felt prepared. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt very independent. I didn't feel like I didn't know how to do things. But um, it was definitely a mix of intimidation and and excitement uh, being with the New York City Ballet. Um, When I got in, it was a really exciting time. Um, there was so much creativity going on. Uh, the Diamond Project was still happening, which was, uh, you know, we would do 10 new ballets in one season in addition to um, the Robins and the Martins and the Balanchine. Um, so it was just like this time of so much creativity and young people were getting so many opportunities. This is when Ashley Bowder was about to be promoted. Janie Taylor, Alexandra Antonelli had, Mm -hmm. had been promoted. Um, but also you had, um, Helene Alexopoulos was still dancing Mm -hmm. and Margaret Tracy and Kira Nichols, you know, and so I was in the company with these people that had, had worked, with Balanchine and taking class with them. And then, you know, sort of the in-between was just such an all-star cat, you know, group. It was right. Jock, you know, Nikolai, Nilos, Charles Askegaard, Peter Bull, Monique Meunier, Yvonne, um, Margaret and Kathleen Tracy, Darcy, Wendy, Maria, and just yeah. everyone was dancing so incredibly and um, took class, company class every day. Albert Evans, another one. Um, 
So it was just uh, incredible. It was so incredible. Um, something I want to be there then. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. I, something I want to, that I'm, that you talking about this time is kind of, um, triggered this memory is that it's, it was so much, honestly, just frankly, more difficult back in that time. The seasons were how long? Eight weeks long? Yeah. Uh, this winter season- and, and spring was eight weeks and there was no fall and there was no block programming. So every Correct. program would be different. So it was a lot more chaotic. So yes, what were, I remember what being, like? I remember being exhausted all the time and, and, um, after a year of my apprentice year, just hurting all the time. Yeah. It was a lot of work. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, apprentices were, uh, apprentices are given their contracts, like after they perform eight or nine ballets. Mm-hmm. And I remember for our group, they would purposefully not cast us in things, even though they needed us mm-hmm. because we would have gotten our eighth or ninth ballet. Um, right. And then, and then received an early core contract. So we were very, very, very busy, not only dancing in the core, but several of us were learning and understudying um, principal roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, like you said, the seasons were very different. Um, we had, I think, like a three-week rehearsal period for Nutcracker, a long Nutcracker, and then you went straight from your last Nutcracker show, you know, the end of December, 1st of January, Sunday off Tuesday night was opening night winter season, you know, performing. And then you performed eight weeks, um, had a little break rehearsal period again, um, for the spring and then a long spring season. And Saratoga was quite longer too. We were there um, for three weeks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, and the, just the, the level, like I said, the people that were, were dancing, the, the principals and soloists were very, very, very busy. Mm-hmm. And the level of, of dedication and expertise that they brought just, I think, for all of my group coming in, I never remember marking a rehearsal once or wearing sneakers or just never, even in the back. I mean, we were just constantly full out Going. 100%. <laughs> um, because that's the environment that it was. It was just so, so, so hardworking and, and so exciting. And um, oh, it, was, it, was, it was a really, really amazing time. Mm-hmm. So you said that already in, those, in your days of, of um, being an apprentice, people from your group were starting to get opportunities. I know that you learned things very young as well. What were some of the first things that you were called to that were more featured roles? Um, I understudied Alexandra and Janie Taylor and, and Darcy actually a lot. Um, I, I, I did a lot. Of, I understudied a lot of Martins. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a ballet called Reliquary. Um, mm-hmm. And there were two principal dancers in that. And so I understudied that. I understudied the principal in Hallelujah Junction. Uh, very young. I, um, Agon, Pas de Deux. Mm-hmm. I started learning really, really young. Um, So, but doing, so let's say the first featured Martin's ballet that you were called to, what did that, how did that feel? Like that has to have been, I know that the Balanchine Ballets are iconic, but when you have your own director putting you in their own work, 
was that sort of a sign to you that like you were going to have a positive relationship with your boss and this was, things were going good? (laughs) Um, Well, like I said, you know, we didn't really speak that much um, in the beginning. And so, yes, you know, inevitably I knew that I thought, you know, well, it's good. It's the boss, but in the moment, I didn't really think of it that way. Um, I remember liking him and being being attracted to the way he taught class when I was at the school and being attracted to, you know, like I said, these penetrating eyes. Um, and so, and I remember the feeling I got when I danced in front of him at the school was, was just like ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very happy because, yes, of course, I cared about the balance sheet, but I really liked his work. I liked the movement. It made sense to me. Um, you know, so I was excited because I was like, Oh, this is just so nice because this makes sense. You know, I had a really hard time with the Robins. I learned a lot of Robins and I don't know, I had, I had a hard time picking up choreography. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but for some reason learning his ballets, not just the, you know, the more featured roles, but I was in the core of a lot of his ballets. I didn't have that, that problem in the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, you know, I wasn't nervous. I just felt like I could just be myself and like, mm-hmm. you know, it was fun and, and, and I could go on forever and ever. Whereas in other rehearsals, I would you sort of get confused or, you know, and then, you know, I learned that there was a larger balancing rep than the one I had learned at NCSA. And there were some very, very difficult steps. And I think I started to maybe be like, I don't know if I, relate to this balancing anymore because it's hard, you know, but I definitely <laughs> related to, to Peter's uh, work because I think he, uh, you know, was obviously like inspired by balancing, but his, his work was, I would con- classify it as like definitely more in the neoclassical, mm-hmm. you know, way. Um, and that was, was easy, was easy for me, you know, although fa- founded in, in classical steps, but mm-hmm. it was a little jazzier. I liked. <laughs> is there a reason that Robbins would be more difficult to pick up? Is it like a, the way that the, the coaches approach things or you just thought the, the sequencing or? I just think it's because there was a lot of people in the room, you yeah. know, and, um, and everything starts to the left and, and, and I, <laughs> just the way, just the um, amount of like, uh, input that that was coming in you know just so many people in the room um and a lot of the you know victor castelli was was there at the time teaching and he was wonderful but you know i think he was used to teaching people that had kind of knew these ballets and that was the first time i had ever been um exposed to robbins Mm -hmm. um you know and i liked it but i i just had a hard time remembering because i would get distracted by everything else that was happening in in the room and i remember trying to learn in West Side Story and like, you know, which is not ballet. Mm. And I was just awful. Like I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't ground myself. I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so throughout your career, you've dealt with quite a few injuries, some of which have sidelined you for quite some time. Can you tell us a little bit about some of these injuries and your process coming back and getting stronger with each time you go out? Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, we were very, 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 very busy. Mm-hmm. And I remember during Nutcracker, you know, during during the end of Nutcracker, I performed in every show, Snow, Flower, Spanish. <sighs> I remember noticing a, a difference between my um, 
not stamina, but my muscular like endurance um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other girls. Because I think of the training that they had at the School of American Ballet. See, at North, in North Carolina, we didn't wear our point shoes for ballet class. We only uh, wore them for a point class. We only wore them for rehearsals. We only wore them for performances. And then I had, you know, modern and all this stuff. So I remember thinking, oh, gosh, like, I'm just not as um, – it was harder for me to recover because I just wasn't used to being in point shoes all the time. And um, I remember the winter season starting and thinking like being upset that I I couldn't keep up, so to speak. Um, And then, yeah, unfortunately um, after that, well, fortunately after that year, I was accepted into the company as a core member. And, um, you know, I started, that's when I started learning some principal roles and I didn't know how to pace myself. You know, as an mm-hmm. apprentice, I had gone a hundred percent all the time. And now being in the core, I didn't know that, you know, when, you, when you're understudying certain things, you take it easy when, when it's the complete, that's when you do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mean take it easy being lazy, but you know, you have to pace of yourself. Course. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't know how to do that. Um, I just thought you need to be 110% all the time. And, mm-hmm. and um, I started to, you know, I was, I was learning things and I, I, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not, um, I don't have the experience at the school, but I'll just be the hardest worker. And if I just mm-hmm. work hard, it'll keep me, right. you know, up there. And it, it started to work against me. And, um, I had an ankle injury that, uh, required me to take time off and then more time off and then more time off. And, um, I ended up having a tear in one of my tendons that just went undiagnosed forever. And I would try to come back and try to come back and all of my scans were showing nothing. And so, you know, we thought there's nothing wrong, you know, just have to get stronger, stronger. And and, and I ended up having exploratory surgery after a year and, and I, there was a, a very large tear in my tendon, um, in my right ankle. And then after that, was it your you know, Achilles or what was it? It was in my FHL. Yeah, yeah, that one you because used to now, go on point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I just I remember asking the girls in the core, like, "Do you guys feel like you know? I know ballet's hard, but do you feel like there's like a nail in the back of your ankle every time you go on point?" Because I was like, "If this is how it feels, maybe I just need to get used to it." And they were like, "No." Um, <laughs> I had similar, I had a terror in my post tib tendon, which is like right next to very the similar, yeah, very very similar. And I would just always tell the therapist, "I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like my tendons are bleeding." And they're like, "No, but everything's fine. Same with mm-hmm. those scans." And then it turns out there was actually bleeding happening. You know, it's, yeah. That's so I really know exactly what yeah. you mean by that. And the technology yeah. now is so much better that, yeah. that they can catch them. And the way MRIs are sliced, you know, it, it misses millimeters, and sometimes that is what you need to see. So right, right, exactly. The tears were missed, you know, and um, but that's you know that's life, you know. Right. And but I'm glad I decided to get the surgery. It was very, very successful. Um, I had taken two years off um, uh, total, oh. a year of conservative treatment, and then I got the surgery, and then a year of of, of uh, you know, post, surgery. post, yeah, surgery, surgery rehab. And, and then I was back and I was great. And then, um, I felt the same thing on the left side and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wait. I was like, I know, I know, I know what, what this is. is. Let's do it. So I, I had that surgery 
And then unfortunately the recovery wasn't the same. And I knew that it was possible to have a very good recovery because I had had one Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the same. And I was not willing uh, to accept that. And so um, I did have to have the surgery redone. The left side was a little more complicated. They, they had repaired the tear the first time, but I had a hidden um, bone spur that was not taken out. So after the, they repa- repaired the tear, it just tore again because of this, oh. right? Uh, which took a little bit of you know detective work to to figure out right. why sure. that hadn't been possible. You know, so then now I'm here on my my third surgery, losing a lot of time, a lot of opportunities. Um, How many years had yeah. you been with the company now at this point? My first surgery, I had only been with the company um, two years. Okay. And then my second surgery, I think I had been there six years, you know, the two years in the sure beginning, off. the two years were off the, the one that then I, I think I had about two years where I was mm-hmm. dancing and then I was mm-hmm. off again for probably another two years. Um, and then it just, uh, things just sort of just kind of spiral downhill physically for me. I had, um, a knee injury uh, that I ended up having surgery for. And then I, uh, during the recovery, I just noticed that I, my body wasn't healthy. I was having nervous system problems. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, why am I having all these surgeries and these injuries? This isn't normal. Like I'm doing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found out that I had an, an underlying um, disease that affects uh, your nervous system and it affects, um, sort of just the general health of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, and the treatment for that was surgery. And I wasn't afraid of surgery because I hadn't at this point had four, uh, three on my ankles, one on my knee, but I just knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I did a lot of research on, on how to, you know, it's not a life threatening disease. I did a lot of research on how to, manage it as an athlete, um, as a dancer without having surgery, because I just, there was a feeling inside me that was like, don't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I listened to that because I knew it wasn't coming from a fear place. So I I wasn't afraid of surgery. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't right. So, you know, I had to work through that. Uh, and then I, I was back dancing and, um, just some, some, some accidents happened. I, um, had a spontaneous pneumothorax, which is when, one of your lungs collapses. Um, so that happened, which, which took me back into the hospital for oh, a few wow. weeks. Uh, and then uh, I remember finally being healthy and I had gotten my disease to a point where I could manage it. And I had changed my diet and made a lot of life changes just to sort of um, handle all this. And mm-hmm. my lung was better. And I I had not taken a vacation yet. Like it had always been about like dancing Healing. and recovering and dancing and recovering. And I thought, you know, I'm so good. Like I'm going to go on vacation. And my first day of vacation, I was riding just one of those big beach cruiser bicycles on the beach, which are like impossible to flip over. And of course I flipped mine over. Um, I went into a ditch and and flipped over the handlebars with no helmet, and and I broke my neck. Um, thankfully, I say thankfully because it, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, and I remember calling Debbie Coolish, who was the you know Peter's assistant at the time, and saying, "I'm not going to be back. Uh, I I've broken my neck." 
And so I spent the entire, that was, um, right before Saratoga. So I spent the entire summer, um, rehabbing my broken neck (laughs) and, and I wanted to come back that. So then we had the fall season then, and I really wanted to be back for fall season. Mm -hmm. And I had done all this work and, and I said, you know, I had a, I'm not sure if it was a phone call or a in-person meeting. I think it was a phone call. You know, I had said, I'll be back for fall season. Um, maybe it was with, with Rosemary, um, uh, because I hadn't talked directly to Peter yet. It was just kind of, he was getting all the info and he, he did call me and he said, you know, I'm not going to let you do fall season. I know that you really want to, but I don't want this to be a pattern. You know, I want, I don't, I want all this to be over. No more injuries, no more nothing. Um, so I think you should take the fall season and don't worry, you know, you're still a part of the company, but just really, really, you know, do class, you you know, if you want to come around, do whatever, but I'm not going to put you on stage until Nutcracker. Um, And that was wonderful. I listened to him and I, and I got back and I I came back to Nutcracker. I was still in the core um, and I did Dewdrop, which was wonderful. That was the first uh, principal role that I performed um, when, when I was younger. Um, So it was sort of like a nice a nice coming back. And then after that, you know, I was, I was pretty, I was okay. You know, I had a, some, a consistent time. Yeah. Through all of this, it's not like you were just, um, you know, it wasn't just a series of injuries. You were on stage for long periods of time in the middle of these injuries and a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was in and out. Um, you know, it would be, go ahead. Good. I know. I was just going to say that it was the sort of like, okay, uh, I'm back in and, and, you know, ready to fulfill this promise. And Peter always supported you and you would always have these, yes. um, you'd always get opportunities. So yes. what was it like yes. being like yes. kind of bandied about like, okay, I'm on stage doing two drop. Okay. My neck is broken. Okay. Right. I'm on stage doing two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably, I think it was probably more frustrating for him and for other people than it was for me. I mean, of course it was incredibly frustrating for me, but, um, because it's just like, he, he was like, I just never know. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're back and then I give you stuff and then you're out again. Mm-hmm. And um, it was frustrating because, yeah, you know, when I, when, I, when I would come back, I would get a lot of opportunities, but I would also have a lot of core work. And I would always, it was really important to me to be um, a good company member. You know, I didn't want to pick and choose roles and I was in the core and I wanted to be able to do everything. And, you know, and, and I remember having a conversation with him one time I was, he had cast me in symphony and three. And in the same show I had to do the core of balancing Swan Lake. And I was like, Oh, I'm just not going to be able to do both of these. Like it's Mm -hmm. too, you know, I was, I was okay, but I was sort of still coming back. Right. And me just being so like humble, I said, you know, maybe it's best if you, uh, I'm in the core, you know, and, and if I can't do Swan Lake and Symphony in three, maybe it's just best to make everybody happy that I, I'll just do the core of Swan Lake. Mm-hmm. And he said, are you kidding? You know, I rarely get what I want and I want you to do this ballet and I will talk to Rosemary and make sure that um, your core roles are lighter. So that was really wonderful. You know, he was really an advocate of mine and a mentor and and I think he saw how hard I worked and how, you know, I tried to handle everything. You know, I didn't want to 
necessarily receive special treatment. I wanted to be able to do my full job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he appreciated that. And also when I was out, I came to the theater a lot. I watched so much. Um, And I think he, he saw that and, and appreciated that. Um, So he would, he would take, try to take care of me, but I think he would get frustrated because even with that, with trying to take care of me and make it, you know, this protected environment, I was still having uh, so many, so many problems. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew, Len, lots of people told me, you know, maybe this isn't for you. And, and I think people told him, you know, maybe you shouldn't employ her. It's just, she's just always, you know, out. And, um, and he told, you know, we were, very, we had, at this point, we were having to have very, Frank meetings. Yeah. Conversations, um, which in hindsight, you know, I got to know a lot about him. I think he got to know a lot about me just as people, you know, that we wouldn't have known, uh, if this hadn't have happened, but, um, we would, you know, um, we would have to, you know, have these, have these conversations about, about how to handle it. Um, but, he did tell me, um, you know, there's people on the fourth floor that are questioning my decision to keep you in the, the company. And I said, well, there's my friends and family are questioning my decision to, <laughs> to continue to do this. And the doctors right. are and the therapists are. And I said, you know, I cannot control the decision that you make, but I can tell you that I know it is not time to stop. And it may, it may seem like that, but I just know it's not. And he said, okay, I, I trust you and I will wait for you forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad um, that I had that feeling, you know, whether he said that or not, I was going to just continue and continue and continue until I knew deep down that it was over. Um, but I'm glad that he, he trusted me. And I think we were both very happy in the end because, you know, I, it was a long forest to, to yeah. walk through, but very, very long. Um, but I'm glad I, I didn't, I, I didn't give up and I'm glad he, um, he kind of quietly waited on the side. He left me alone for a while, really left me alone. And, um, and you know, I am where I am today because I just, there was just this inner voice in me that was like, yes, you feel bad and you feel down, but I just knew like it wasn't time. Like there, I just knew I was like, it's not time to give up. It's not time to give up. And it certainly and I couldn't explain time. it. It yeah. wasn't time to give up because then in 2013, Peter did promote you to soloist. So what did that moment feel like, especially for someone who had fought through so much to get to where you were? What was that like for you? And what was that year leading up to your promotion like? That year was pretty uneventful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was, I, I just felt really stable. I, I was hoping to still be, you know, considered to be promoted. But I was also, I really just wasn't, um, I was just trying to do my job really well and to improve. And, and, and I, and I had, you know, my casting had sort of changed a little, it wasn't as exciting as it, as it was in the beginning, but I just really remember trying to kind of be consistent on stage because I, I did kind of go through a period where, um, I wasn't as comfortable in my skin as I had been when I was younger. So, you know, I was surprised a little bit that I had gotten promoted or that, you know, at that time, but I also, you know, I also wasn't because I knew the work I had put in and I knew the, 
um, kind of foundation that I, I had started with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, right? Right after I I got promoted is when I broke my neck, and I think he just kind of threw his hands up in the air, like, "What oh, is no. going on with you?" <laughs> um, so it really, you know, and it didn't change anything for me. And he actually asked me that. He asked. Uh, we were on tour in Copenhagen right after my my group had gotten promoted, and we were all on this boat together coming back to the hotel from the theater. And he asked us, you know, so what has changed for you guys, you know, since you've gotten promoted, do you feel different and, or do you work differently? And I, I said, I was like, no, I mean, I, I always tried to, you know, doing the maid and nutcracker was as important as, as, as mm-hmm. doing Dewdrop, you know, cause that's just the environment the New York city Valley created for me. So I mm-hmm. said, you know, I, I don't feel like I work any differently or work, you know, you know, it, 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 it was nice though, because, um, your, your, your rep changes, you know, you didn't, I didn't have a lot of core, any core responsibilities anymore. So I was like, thank God I can, <laughs> you Get know, have rest. some recovery yeah. time. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was a soloist for a while before I think things really started to sort of pick up, pick up. more for mm-hmm. me in the way or, or close to the way that they did, um, they were when, when I was um, new in the company. And like mm-hmm. I said, you know, I think he kind of left me alone. He was afraid, I think, to add anything. I remember him saying once, you know, it's just so important for me that you're here. And I don't mm-hmm. want to, I'm so scared to mess that up. I would rather you just be here than for you to be out. So maybe he was you kind know? of waiting to give you extra workload until he felt like you were fully recovered. Yeah, maybe. Or just maybe thinking, you know, if this is what it is, this is what it is. I had plans and, you know, she had dreams, but wouldn't you rather have something than nothing, right. you know? Right. And so it yeah. was kind of like that for mm-hmm. a while. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But but that changed uh, by the end, which was, which was nice yeah. before he left. Yeah. What were some of the final opportunities you had under Peter's direction? That um, well, again, I, you know, his ballets, um, Hallelujah Junction. I did end up performing the principal in that. Um, the Red Violin. Um, I did some demi soloist roles in Fearful. I understudied the principals in Fearful a lot. I never performed them. Um, Lilac Fairy in mm-hmm. Beauty. Um, Right before he left, uh, we were in Saratoga and, and he called a meeting with me, you know, and we had really not had meetings or anything. And I thought, oh no, like <laughs> what is wrong? Because I, I, I wasn't um, consistently going to company class at the time. That's not <laughs> oh. to say I wasn't, I wasn't doing class, class you know, right, I was yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. doing my own thing to, mm-hmm. to be able to rehearse and get on stage. And I thought maybe he's going to say, I, you know, I, I always tried to go to his class, although sometimes I did skip, which is not advised. (laughs) Um, and anyways, I remember thinking like, like it's either going to be good or bad. So whatever. (laughs) So I walked in and he said, first of all, the past, you know, your injuries and everything, do we need to talk about it? And I said, no, unless you have questions. Um, and so he put his hand on the desk and moved it over like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're slicing this 
paperwork away. And he said, okay, so that's done. And I said, yeah, you know, I don't think we, we need to go there. That's the past is the past. And he's like, how are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I feel great. I feel really good. My body feels good. And he said, you know, I don't think I have been doing my part. I think you can go all the way still. Do you want that? And I said, yes, of course, you know, um, of course I do. And he, he said, I don't think I've been doing my part to sort of uh, curate your your career. Uh, not that I haven't wanted to, but you know, you haven't been here a lot and other mm-hmm. dancers come in and I have a whole company to take care of. But um, I've watched you work work through all this stuff and I have left you alone because I am so afraid for you to get injured again. And I need to know, you know, if you're healthy, if you're if you're up for it, you know. And I said I am. I I, I am up for it. And I think if you have a thought or an inspiration, you should go with it and, and don't be afraid. Um, because I, you know, I, I, I feel great. I really do. And, and I'm, I'm still ready. And my, he always uh, told me he liked my spirit and he, he said, he always would ask me, how is your spirit? And I said, you know, and my, my spirit is good. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so he said, okay. And, and then, um, you know, I had, it was kind of a nice fall and winter, uh, or fall and, and nutcracker, um, Mm -hmm. I did chairman dances, which is, I loved it. You know, it's 10 minute, just toward a force of the principal woman is just dancing the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I really loved it. And it's really his movement that I'm, I'm good at. Um, and, you know, like I said, red violin, um, after he left the, uh, the company, I was still being, being cast in his ballets. Um, and, um, you know, it was sort of just a nice um, closure to the whole story. You know, mm-hmm. I would have loved to to end my career with with him as my director, absolutely. But it was really, really nice that that we had that conversation and that that I I heard what he said. You know, that he mm-hmm. he he said to me, you know, this thing that I thought in the beginning, I still think, and I mm-hmm. was able to say, you know, this dream I had in the beginning, I I still have. You know, so. Mm-hmm. It was nice. And, um, I remember the last, you know, the last day I worked with him, it was one of the most special rehearsals I ever had. Um, I debuted in, in sugar plum quite late. Um, mm-hmm. he gave that to me when I was 30 and I remember coming in to check my mail one day and being frustrated because, you know, all of the new sugar plums had been learning sugar plum for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we were in the middle of nutcracker and I thought, you know, maybe you're just not a sugar plum, Megan, and you're not going to do that role. And I, I walked into the mailroom, and he was in there making his coffee, and I was like, oh, this is like the last person I want to see right now. <laughs> 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 um, he turned around, and he said, you know, in two weeks, it's Christmas. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I have a Christmas present for you. And I was like, what? And he said, you're going to dance. I went down my list, and I looked at all the soloists, and I thought – she would be a good sugar plum. And he's like, so you're going to do it in two weeks. And I remember without thinking, instead of saying thank you, you know, the first thing I said, I sort of snapped and I was like, well, who am I dancing with? (laughs) (laughs) And he laughed. He laughed because I think he knew, you know, because of my body and stuff, it was important for me to be with someone that could take care. And he said, with Ask, you're with Ask, who is for those of you who don't know, a wonderful tall Danish uh, dancer, principal dancer in our company, a lovely partner, and uh, very experienced and you know uh, friendly with 
with with Peter and and so um that was my experience like getting thrown into into sugar plum and all the new sugar plums had had weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation and I had two and for probably five days out of those two weeks ask was out of town doing gigs. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but it was really lovely because my coaches were, were Peter. It was Peter and Darcy that taught us. Um, but anyways, uh, by the end, um, when he was leaving, uh, I had at this point been doing sugar plum for I think, three years and I had different partners now and I was working with Adrian Danchagwaring, who's Mm -hmm. also a wonderful principal male dancer. And, um, we had a stage rehearsal with just us and Peter and our pianist, Nancy McDill. And, and, um, we knew that, you know, he would be leaving and, and he came down to the stage and he said, you know, we don't have to do this if you guys don't want to. I know this is a very difficult day. Um, if you want to, if you don't want me to be here, I'll leave. If you don't want to do this, it's fine. I trust you guys, you know, you know, I have no worries and, you know, and, 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 and people sort of didn't really know what to do. And we retired, you know, it was in, in the middle of the season and towards actually towards the end. And, um, and I just sort of took the opportunity to speak up and I said, you know, I think this is really hard for us for different reasons, but um, we have this half hour. And, the, and it was a rare moment in the theater where no one was around. It mm-hmm. was very quiet and very empty. Um, it was just the four of us. And I loved those moments. Um, and I said, you know, we have such beautiful music, Tchaikovsky, and we have such beautiful choreography by George Balanchine that... Um, I think it's wonderful for me and Adrian to dance it. I think it's wonderful for Nancy to play it. And it's wonderful for a person to watch it and hear it. So why don't we just, instead of thinking of this as a a rehearsal or, or, you know, why don't, I think we all need something that's, that's nice right now. Mm -hmm. And could we just do that? And it was just, and he said, I think that is just so wonderful. And so it was just really lovely. And he asked, he said, do you want me to say anything? And we said, of course, you know, of course, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a really lovely final rehearsal because it was just very human. And, and I, you know, and, um, That's yeah, a beautiful and story. it was very special. Yeah. yeah. And it was special for me because of the role and the way I had been given it mm-hmm. before. So, sure. so it was sort of bittersweet. Yeah. Right. So obviously Peter was really like the primary cheerleader for you and, the transition of him no longer being director may have been stressful, but you've still had these moments of, um, of finding artistic support from other people. One big opportunity that I sadly missed, but <laughs> I, I remember being really excited for you and, and thinking if it's a very natural fit is the Potata and Herman Schmerman, um, which you did with Aron. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what was that? I mean, I, so from the beginning, I think one reason why Peter, um, why when we were young, we speculated like, you know, Megan has a sort of like Wendy-ish or Heather-ish look. So it's very easy to like see you in some of their roles. And that Potida is so Wendy. And mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure that that's something that you maybe had wanted to dance a long time, but it was in and out of rep pretty it was out of the rep a lot of the time so when it's back 
and you know, you maybe don't have your your person at the helm anymore, but you still got this great opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the transition was difficult as it, you know, for me personally, as it was for everybody. But um I think what helped me get through was, you know, obviously the love for ballet and the love for the company and the love for the opportunities the company brings dancers and audience members and um, creative people coming in to collaborate with us. That doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, I, um, I was sort of able to um, find my, my groove again, so to speak, um, which I think, came through, you you know, working with um, people that were coming into stage ballets and William Forsyth was one of them. Um, I was just so happy to be chosen um, to, to rehearse it. Uh, In the beginning, I was rehearsing the Prada and the five, five, uh, the group, the dances, the dance for five people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I was just sort of uh, called to to the Potida with Aron. We were the second mm-hmm. cast, and we worked very very hard on it with his assistant Noah Gelber. Um, and it was a really g- great bonding experience for us. I had I've worked with Aron now in, in other ballets, um, and um, yeah, I think I think it was it, it was a nice distraction from. Um, from from the the grief you know to to have uh something to work on something different um you know it you know every piece of choreography every choreography choreographer sort of touches me differently um so this was of course different um but you know not as not as familiar and maybe not as as personal um but but it was important for me to i think and i think it was necessary for me to to move on to that that state um as an artist as a dancer um yeah. sort of out of this pr- feeling protected zone into the world of of working with um d- different people and it certainly challenged me physically. Um, I, I, like you said, am, am more physically uh, similar to Wendy and, and Heather. Um, uh, and my first cast has a body type that is just completely different from mine, Tyler Peck. She's a very uh, petite and fast and, and concise. And um, William changed a lot of the steps for her. Um, so that was, it was a bit difficult for me because, you know, the speed just, just was not there. And, 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 um, you know, I was, Ronan is also very long like me. And so we, we were trying to translate this into uh, right. these sort of long, long, mm-hmm. long body types. Um, but we were very fortunate and I, I felt very, um, I, I felt like I had kind of, um, what is the word? Like you put the chink in the, you, you move up like in your, uh, your goals for yourself, sure. like, uh, by yeah. being chosen by him to, to perform it, to perform, um, you know, we were, we were the second cast, so we got some shows. And so I, a chink in your belt, I think is the right word. Um, I just felt like, okay, you know, things have been tough, but there's still like progress like happening um, for you personally. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it it was a really hard ballet for me, I will say. Uh, but I, I got the opportunity to, to do it again. It came back and, um, Tyler was injured so we got to do we got to do more shows, um, mm-hmm. which was great because I think when you 
when you only do something once or twice and then you don't do it again for a year or never, it's, it's hard to, you know, progress in it progress. Yeah. Right. And so it was nice for me and for us to kind of, um, get in, get, yeah. get into that more. Since then, you know, Rat, Ratmansky came, who I had never worked with because I had been so I had been injured. Um, so I had the opportunity to work with him on Voices, which was also, you know, completely different. But right. um, I think it's really good to to in the end to have those experiences that take you out of out of your comfort zone. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So now we have the, the fun section of our interview. <laughs> the, the, last, the last part where we do we just do our little lightning round and we ask you a couple questions and you just think of what comes to mind first. So, um, (laughs) so what's your, uh, a favorite ballet to watch? Duo. Duo is great. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, favorite ballet to dance. Um, I love, I love doing, doing, doing sugar plum in in the nutcracker, of course. Um, I really, really enjoyed dancing um, the chairman dances. It's not necessarily like a popular ballet, but I just really had a had a fantastic time. Yeah, doing that. Uh, what's What's a dream role of yours that most people wouldn't necessarily expect? Aurora. Okay. Oh. A tall Aurora. Coming <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Probably one I'll never do. <laughs> that was great, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to share with our You're welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.